Book One, Canto Twelve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Shoshi Cooper, Waltham, Massachusetts. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book One, The Legend of Red Cross, Canto Twelve. Fair Una to the Red Cross Knight, betrothed is with joy, though false Duessa it to bear, her false slights do employ. Behold, I see the haven nigh at hand, to which I mean my weary course to bend. Fair the main shet, and bear up with the land, the which afore is fairly to be kenned, and seemeth safe from storms that may offend. There this fair virgin, weary of her way, must landed be, now at her journey's end. There ache my feeble bark, a while may stay, till merry wind and weather call her thence away. Scarcely had Phoebus in the glooming east, yet harnessed his fiery-footed team, nay reared above the earth his flaming crest, when the last deadly smoke aloft did seem. The sign of last outbreathed life did seem unto the watchman on the castle wall, who thereby dead that baleful beast did deem, and to his lord and lady loud gang call, to tell how he had seen the dragon's fatal fall. Uprose with hasty joy and feeble speed that aged sire, the lord of all that land, and looked forth to wheat, if true indeed those tidings were as he did understand, which when as true by trial he outfond, he bade to open wide his brazen gate, which long time had been shut, and out of hond, proclaimed joy and peace through all his state, for dead now was their foe, which them forayed late. Then gan triumphant's trumpets sound on high, that sent to heaven the echoed report of their new joy and happy victory, gainst him that had them long oppressed with tort, and fast imprisoned in sieged fort. Then all the people, as in solemn feast, to him assembled with one full consort, rejoicing at the fall of that great beast, from whose eternal bondage now they were released. Forth came that ancient lord and aged queen, arrayed in antique robes down to the ground, and sad habiliments right well beseen. A noble crew about them waited round, of sage and sober peers all gravely gowned whom far before did march a goodly band of tall young men all hable arms to sound but now they laurel branches bore in hand glad sign of victory and peace in all their land unto that doughty conqueror they came and him before themselves prostrating low their lord and patron loud did him proclaim and at his feet their laurel boughs did throw soon after them all dancing on a row the comely virgins came with girlands dight as fresh as flowers in meadow green do grow, when morning dew upon their leaves doth light, and in their hands sweet timbrels all upheld on height. And then before the fry of children young, their wanton sports and childish mirth doth play, and to the maiden sounding timbrels sung, in well-attuned notes a joyous lay, and made delightful music all the way, until they came where that fair virgin stood, as fair Diana in fresh summer's day, beholds her nymphs enranged in shady wood, some wrestle, some do run, some bathe in crystal flood. So she beheld those maidens' merriment, with cheerful view, who when to her they came, themselves to ground, with gracious humblest bent. 
and her adored by honorable name, lifting to heaven her everlasting fame. Then on her head they set a girland green, and crowned her twixt earnest and twixt game, who in her self-resemblance well be seen, did seem such as she was a goodly maiden queen. And after all, the rascal many ran, heaped together in rude rabblement, to see the face of that victorious man whom all admired as from heaven sent and gazed upon with gaping wonderment but when they came where that dead dragon lay stretched on the ground in monstrous large extent the sight with idle fear did them dismay nay durst approach him nigh to touch or once assay some feared and fled some feared and well it feigned one that would wiser seem than all the rest warned him not to touch for yet perhaps remained some lingering life within his hollow breast or in his womb might lurk some hidden nest of dragonets his fruitful seed another said that in his eyes did rest yet sparkling fire and bade thereof take heed another said he saw him move his eyes indeed one mother, when as her foolhardy child did come too near, and with his talons play, half dead through fear, her little babe reviled, and to her gossips gan in counsel say, How can I tell, but that his talents may yet scratch my son, or rend his tender hand? So diversely themselves in vain they fray while some more bold to measure him nigh stand to prove how many acres he did spread of land thus flocked all the folk him round about the whiles that hoary king with all his train being arrived where that champion stout after his foe's defeasance did remain him goodly greets and fair does entertain with princely gifts of ivory and gold and a thousand thanks him yields for all his pain then when his daughter dear he does behold he dearly doth embrace and kisseth manifold and after to his palace he them brings with shams and trumpets and with clarions sweet and all the way the joyous people sings and with their garments strows the paved street once mounting up they find purveyance meet of all that royal prince's court became and all the floor was underneath their feet bespread with costly scarlet of great name on which they lowly sit and fitting purpose frame what needs me tell their feast in goodly guise in which was nothing riotous nor vain what needs of dainty dishes to devise of comely services or courtly train my narrow leaves cannot in them contain the large discourse of royal princes state yet was their manner then but bare and plain for the antique world excess and pride did hate such proud luxurious pomp is swollen up but late then when with meats and drinks of every kind their fervent appetites they quenched had that ancient lord gan fit occasion find of strange adventures and of perils sad which in his travel him befallen had for to demand of his renowned guest who then with utterance grave and countenance sad from point to point as is before expressed discoursed his voyage long according to his request great pleasure mixed with pitiful regard that godly king and queen did passionate whilst they his pitiful adventures heard that oft they did lament his luckless state and often blame the too importune fate that heaped on him so many wrathful rakes for never gentle knight as he of late so tossed was in fortune's cruel freaks 
and all the while salt tears bedewed the hearer's cheeks. Then said that royal pair in sober wise, Dear son, great been the evils which ye bore, from first to last in your late enterprise, that I note whether praise or pity more, for never living man I ween so sore, and sea of deadly dangers was distressed, but since now safe ye seized have the shore, and well arrived are, high God be blessed, let us devise of ease and everlasting rest. Ah, dearest lord, said then that doughty knight, of ease or rest I may not yet devise, for by the faith which I to arms have plight, I bounden am straight after this emprise, as that your daughter can ye well advise, back to return to that great fairy queen, and her serve six years in warlike wise, gainst that proud paying king that works her teen, therefore I ought crave pardon till I there have been." Unhappy falls that hard necessity, quoth he, the troubler of my happy peace, and vowed foe of my felicity. Nay, I against the same can justly priest. But since that band ye cannot now release, nor done undo, for vows may not be vain, soon as the term of those six years shall cease, ye then shall hither back return again, the marriage to accomplish vowed betwixt you twain which for my part I covet to perform, in sort as through the world I did proclaim, that whoso killed that monster most deform, and him in hardy battle overcame, should have mine onely daughter to his dame, and of my kingdom e'er a parent be. Therefore, since now, to thee pertains the same, by due desert of noble chivalry, both daughter and eke kingdom, lo, I yield to thee." Then forth he called that his daughter fair, the fairest Una, his onely daughter dear, his onely daughter and his onely heir, who forth proceeding with sad sober cheer, as bright as doth the morning star appear, out of the east, with flaming locks bedight, to tell that dawning day is drawing near, and to the world does bring long-wished light, so fair and fresh that lady showed herself in sight. So fair and fresh as freshest flower in May, for she had laid her mournful stole aside, and widow-like sad wimple thrown away, wherewith her heavenly beauty she did hide, whiles on her weary journey she did ride, and on her now a garment she did wear, all lily-white, withouten spot or pride, that seemed like silk and silver woven near, but neither silk nor silver therein did appear. The blazing brightness of her beauty's beam, and glorious light of her sunshiny face, to tell, whereas to strive against the stream, my ragged rhymes are all too rude and base, her heavenly lineaments for to enhance. Nay wonder, for her own dear loved knight, all were she daily with himself in place, did wonder much at her celestial sight, oft had he seen her fair, but never so fair dight. So fairly dight, when she in presence came, she to her sire made humble reverence, and bowed low, that her right well became, and added grace unto her excellence, who with great wisdom and grave eloquence thus gan to say. But ere he thus had said, with flying speed and seeming great pretense, came running in, much like a man dismayed, a messenger with letters, which his message said. 
all in the open hall amazed stood at suddenness of that unwary sight, and wondered at his breathless hasty mood. But he for naught would stay his passage right, till fast before the king he did alight, where falling flat great humblest he did make, and kissed the ground whereon his foot was pite. Then to his hands that writ he did betake, which he disclosing read thus as the paper spake. To thee, most mighty king of Edenfair, her greeting sends, in these sad lines addressed, the woeful daughter and forsaken heir of that great emperor of all the West, and bids thee be advised for the best, ere thou thy daughter link in holy band of wedlock to that new unknown guest, for he already plighted his right hand unto another love and to another land." To me, sad maid, or rather widow's sad, he was a fiancé long time before, and sacred pledges he both gave and had, false errant knight, infamous and forswore, witnessed the burning altars which he swore, and guilty heavens of his bold perjury, which thought he hath polluted oft of yore, yet I to them for judgment just do fly, and them conjure to venge this shameful injury." Therefore, since mine he is, or free or bond, or false or true, or living or else dead, withhold, O sovereign prince, your hasty hand, from knitting league with him, I you a red. They wean my right with strength adown to tread, through weakness of my widowhood or woe. For truth is strong, her rightful cause to plead, and shall find friends, if need requireth so, so bids thee well to fare, thy neither friend nor foe, Fidessa. When he these bitter biting words had read, the tidings strange did him abashed make, that still he sat long time astonished, as in great muse they word to creature spake. At last his solemn silence thus he break, with doubtful eyes fast fixed on his guest, redoubted knight, that for my wonly sake— Thy life and honour late adventurous, let not be hid from me that ought to be expressed. What mean these bloody vows and idle threats, thrown out from womanish impatient mind? What heavens, what altars, what enraged heats, here heap it up with terms of love unkind, my conscience clear with guilty bands would bind? High God be witness that I guiltless am, but if yourself, Sir Knight, ye faulty find, or rapid be in loves of former dame, with crime do not it cover, but disclose the same. To whom the Red Cross Knight this answer sent, My lord, my king, be not hereat dismayed, till well ye wot by grave intendiment, what woman and whereof doth me upbraid, with breach of love and loyalty betrayed. It was in my mishaps as hitherward I lately travelled, that unawares I strayed out of my way, through perils strange and hard, that day should fail me, ere I had them all declared. There did I find, or rather I was found, of this false woman that Fidessa hight. Fidessa hight the falsest dame on ground, most false duessa, royal richly dight, that easy was t'invangle weaker sight, who by her wicked arts and wily skill to false and strong, for earthly skill or might, unawares me wrought unto her wicked will, and to my foe betrayed, when least I fear it ill. Then stepped forth the goodly royal maid, and on the ground herself prostrating low, with sober countenance thus to him said, 
Oh, pardon me, my sovereign lord, to show the secret treasons, which of late I know, to have been wrought by that false sorceress. She onely is, that erst did throw this gentle knight into so great distress, that death him did await in daily wretchedness. And now it seems that she stubbornet hath this crafty messenger with letters vain to work new woe and improvided scath by breaking of the band betwixt us twain, wherein she used hath the practic pain of this false footman cloaked with simpleness, whom if ye please for to discover plain ye shall him Arcamago find, I guess, the falsest man alive who tries shall find no less. The king was greatly moved at her speech, and all with sudden indignation freight bade on that messenger rude hands to reach. Eftsoons the guard, which on his state did wait, attached that fater false, and bound him straight, who seeming sorely chaffed at his band, as chained bear who cruel dogs do bait, with idle force did feign them to withstand, and often semblance made to scape out of their hand. But they him laid full low in dungeon deep, and bound him hand and foot with iron chains, and with continual watch did warily keep who then would think that by his subtle trains he could escape foul death or deadly pains. Thus when that prince's wrath was pacified, he gan renew the late forbidden banes, and to the night his daughter dear he tied, with sacred rites and vows for ever to abide. His own two hands the holy knots did knit, that none but death for ever can divide, his own two hands for such a turn most fit, the houseling fire did kindle and provide, and holy water thereon sprinkled wide, at which the bushy teed a groom did light, and sacred lamp in secret chamber hide, where it should not be quenched day or night, for fear of evil fates, but burn in ever bright. Then again they sprinkled all the posts with wine, and made great feasts to solemnize that day. They all perfumed with frankincense divine, and precious odors fetched from far away, that all the house did sweat with great array, and all the while sweet music did apply, her curious skill the warbling notes to play, to drive away the dull melancholy, the walls once sung a song of love and jollity. During the which there was an heavenly noise, heard sound through all the palace pleasantly, like as it had been many an angel's voice, singing before the eternal majesty in their trinal triplicities on high, yet wist no creature whence that heavenly sweet proceeded, yet each one felt secretly himself thereby reft of his senses meet, and ravished with rare impressions in his sprite. Great joy was made that day of young and old, and solemn feasts proclaimed throughout the land, that their exceeding mirth may not be told, suffice it here by science to understand, the usual joys at knitting of love's band, thrice happy man the knight himself did hold, possessed of his lady's heart and hand, and ever when his eye did her behold, his heart did seem to melt in pleasures manifold. Her joyous presence and sweet company, in full content he there did long enjoy, nay wicked envy, nay vile jealousy, his dear delights were able to annoy, yet swimming in that sea of blissful joy, he not forgot how he Willum had swore, in case he could that monstrous beast destroy unto his fairy queen back return, the which he shortly did, and Una left to mourn. Now strike your sails, ye jolly mariners! For we become unto a quiet road, 
where we must land some of our passengers and light this weary vessel of her load here she a while may make her safe abode till she repaired have her tackle spent and wants supplied and then again abroad on the long voyage where to she is bent well may she speed and fairly finish her intent end of canto 12 end of book 1 the legend of red cross